This week we are continuing in our Ephesians series. I know this is one of those moments, I think, as a church where we pause and we say, so, so what's God teaching us, right? We look at what all is happening. We look at all the different pieces that are, that are coming together, and it's like there are so many components to the story of this moment, right, to the, the circumstances that, that we find ourselves in. And so last week we began uh, looking at Ephesians chapter 3, and we started with, with Paul, actually like the beginning of Paul's prayer, and then him kind of like saying, well, before I start to pray for this Ephesian church, he says, let me let me tell you a story. Right? He talks about his own story. He talks about the, the smaller story that's part of a, a much, much bigger story. He says, look, you guys, this church that was born in the midst of chaos, that was you know, riots and all kinds of pressure that was coming on you, he said that, that your story is just a, a piece of a much bigger story, that even when our circumstances look like they're like way, you know, way larger than anything else, that, that there's, there's little stories and there's the big story of God. So Paul had began this prayer. He actually had started with the same, the same statement that this passage will start in at the beginning of Ephesians 3. And, uh, but he's talking about something, still the, the thought of stories. Uh, he's talking about the idea that not only are there little stories but, and big stories that we kind of understand that way, but there's also parts to stories. Right? There's the beginning of the story. There's the middle of the story. There's the end of the story. Um, as, a, as a human beings, we love beginnings, right? We love the adrenaline and the energy and all the things that come with, like, this is the beginning of a story and everything is a possibility and our imaginations are going wild. There's, there's so many things that, that could be. And these, we're, we're excited by beginnings. We, we love endings, right? We love when, we, when, when the, the, the plan starts to really come together where, where all of the crazy chaotic circumstances that were happening in the middle of the story come together at the end and it's like, I see the way this all fits together. I see the way the, like the threads are now all tied up neatly. We have a conclusion and it all makes sense. And you know, maybe it wasn't all that much fun in the middle, but at the end it all makes sense. That we are inspired by the, end, the beginning of a story. We're inspired by the end of a story. But the problem is, in between the beginning and the end is where most of the story takes place. Right? It's the middle of the story. The middle is the hard part, right? The middle is where the tension exists. The middle is where we have to continue to find courage and dig in and, and all those kinds of things. And so it's just not as much fun. Paul is sharing this prayer for the church in Ephesus. He's praying for them and saying, so, so here you are in the middle of the story, right? Here you are in the part where it's not just that you're learning these new things, you're hearing the story of Jesus and it's exciting and, and all these things. And, and you're not at the end of the story where where, you know, Jesus comes back and all the things that you've gone through, the persecution and the struggles and all those things that, like, it all makes sense on the other side. It says, here you are in the middle, right? In the middle of the story. In the part of the story that requires deep roots, that requires this, this faithful persistence, that, that requires the courage to stay the course. The part where, as God does a powerful work through us, that, that he has to first do a powerful work in us. It's all of that kind of stuff that's happening in the middle of the story. And so this morning, to illustrate what this looks like, uh, we're going to go into the Lamb Family Home Video Archive. Um, it's one of our cherished videos that we have. I see little smiles up in the booth as our kids are knowing what's coming here. Uh, we have a, a video that for us, there's been so many moments along the way where it's like, you know, we're kind, it's kind of like this moment. And we captured it, Julie captured it on video. It's Olivia, our youngest daughter. It's her very first roller coaster ride, okay? <laughs> um, and she feels things, right? So it makes the videos, makes videos are so much more fun when you get the reaction and all those kinds of things. But, but what you'll see, it's like, a, it's, a, it's a minute, you're gonna wish it was longer because it's adorable, but um, the, you're gonna see it's the, it's the beginning, the middle, 
and the end. So roll that Lamb family home video. Oh, man. First of all, can we just talk about who that guy was that's sitting next to her? I don't even know. Like, <laughs> some stranger, I think. I don't know. Um, and the, the, the pitch was just amazing, wasn't it? It was just like the stratosphere of, of the note. But it's like we talk about these moments in our family. So we had, before she had gotten on the ride, I said, look, you may not like it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to ride it again. And so she's in the middle of the ride going... I don't like it. I already know I don't like it. I want off this ride right now, right? And so we look at moments in our lives where we're like, I don't like it. I don't like it. I want off of this thing, right? This is like, I want to be at the end of the story, or maybe I wish I wouldn't have even started this little arc of, of the moment. The middle's the hard part, right? The middle's the part that requires courage. It's not just adrenaline. It's not like, oh, there's like anything that could be. It's like the reality of the story is it's in its fullness, right? That you're experiencing all these things. And so the middle... It's the hard part, right? It's not the, that was awesome. It was the, it's the, I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't like it. This is what Paul's speaking into. Um, we have the middle, or the beginning, the middle, and the end. The middle is the hard part. We don't like the middle of the story, right? As human beings, we don't like the middle of the story. We are, we are wired for the excitement of the beginning or the, the, the way that things come to a conclusion at the end. Uh, I think maybe, I wrote in my notes here that... Um, that maybe part of why we're such a restless people, we're such a restless culture, is because we, we are, we're not okay with the middle of the story. We're always looking for the new thing. We're looking for that new beginning. or, or, or like, It doesn't feel like it used to because now we're in the middle of the story. It's not as much fun. And so we tend to um, medicate away the middle of the story with distractions, with looking for new beginnings, all these things that, that give us that adrenaline shot of, of the beginning. Because we don't want to deal with the middle, right? We'd rather not deal with the tensions that exist in the middle of the story. But the problem is, the problem is that most of the journey, most of the story happens in the middle of the story. And so Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, is, is praying for a church that he knows is experiencing all those kinds of things. Paul had no idea what a roller coaster was like, but he would have put his finger and said, it's, it's that middle of the story. It's the I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't like it moment in the story. These are people who are experiencing persecution, who aren't sure where they fit, even within the larger church community. They don't know if they're insiders or outsiders. They, they know they're experiencing circumstances that would suggest that, that maybe God isn't completely in control, right? Because there's, there's persecution and chaos and rioting and all these kinds of things. And they're looking at their immediate circumstances, and there's a temptation to say that, that we're linking our understanding of our relationship with God based on how we feel in that specific moment. And the middle just is not the fun part, right? The middle is the part that, that requires something of us. And so Paul says, I have a specific prayer, a specific prayer for you, Ephesian church, for us in Soldat in Alaska in 2020, that there's a specific prayer for the middle of the story. He says, for this reason, verse 14 of Ephesians chapter three, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Paul is using the, a play on words between father and family and says, so like, make this a memorable kind of thing. But he says, for this reason, because I know that the middle of the story is difficult, because I know present circumstances make it feel like there's, there's evidence that would suggest that maybe God isn't in control or maybe God doesn't care. He says, for you who are in the middle of the story, I have a very specific prayer for you. For us, in the middle of our story, that there is a prayer for us that, that, that Paul is speaking. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And then he begins to, to speak his prayer, right? which is a, it's an incredible gift to the church. It's something that I think we need to think more about, how we pray for each other. Maybe we need to, instead of just saying, I will pray for you, say, I'll be praying, and this is what I'll be specifically praying, whether that's a text message or an email or a card that says, this is what I'm praying for you, so you can hear the words that are being spoken for you. But Paul writes this to this church in Ephesus, this church that was experiencing persecution and challenges and all those things. He says, I pray, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So part one of his prayer, right? Part one of the prayer for those in the middle of the story, for those that, that are past the beginning and not yet to the end, where the conclusion feels like it's, it's, a far away, it's far away. He says, I pray. I pray that out of his glorious riches, the glorious riches of God, out of the, the abundance of, of what God has, that, that he wouldn't just change your circumstances, right? He doesn't pray that their circumstances would be changed, but he says, I pray that he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He says, I pray that he would strengthen you. He doesn't pray for changed circumstances. He doesn't pray for the end of the story to come more quickly. He says, I pray that while you're here in the middle of the story, that you get what God, God wants you to get from the middle of the story, that God would strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit, right? That, that he would do what he has promised to do. That is, as Jesus said, I will send my spirit to guide you, to, to move you forward, that, that he would do that. But it would be not just external evidence of transformation, but it would be this inner work, right? The quiet work that, that, that exists within the, the inner being of who we are. The kind of stuff that really only happens in the middle of the story. The kind of work that, 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 that's best accomplished, the, the in us deep work that happens when, when things aren't exactly maybe like we think they should be. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Right? Faith is one of those things that to learn about faith versus learning to live in faith, is a, it's a very different thing. And so Paul says, I pray that while you're experiencing all the things you're experiencing, while you're there in the middle of the story, while maybe you're on the roller coaster saying, I don't like it, I don't like it, that you've got this moment where you start to realize that God is at work in your inner being, not dealing with your, necessarily with your circumstances, but with the, with the who you are. He said, so that, because the goal is, the goal is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That there is this big picture, there is this big story, there's this big dream that, that, it's, that, that Paul has for the church in Ephesus, and it's not just that, that they would have pleasant circumstances or that they would be comfortable. He says, my goal, man, the thing I'm going to be spent on, the reason I'm willing to be in prison, the reason that, that I'm willing to continue to push you guys to, to take the next step and the next step and the next step is so that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. So you become ever more and more and more like him. And then Paul continues his prayer. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He says, I pray. Because it's not something you can accomplish, right? It's not something that Paul can even make happen in someone's life. He says, I pray that, that God would be at work. 
I pray that God would do what, what God has promised to do, that, that you would be rooted and established in love, that, that, that your roots would grow deep, that, that you'd be sitting on the, standing on the foundation of, of, of the love of God, and that you would have power, that that, that, that rootedness, that, that that establishment that's been happening, that, that the work that God is doing in you, preparing you for what's coming, to, that, that he's working in you in the middle of the story, that, that you would have power together with all the Lord's holy people across time and across the world, that, that you're part of this, this, this body of people who are, who are God's people, the people of the, of the way of Jesus, that together with them, connected with them, that, that their story is, is part of your story, that you're part of this bigger story, that those who have gone before us, right, this church in Ephesus who's, who's now part of our bigger story, says that, that you would together with all of those people, those people who are chasing after the things of God, who are trying to live out and work out their faith in the midst of unpleasant circumstances, that, that you would be connected with them that, to, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know, that this, know this love that surpasses knowledge. John Wesley, writing about this passage, says that, that you would be rooted and grounded that you would be rooted and grounded, that is deeply fixed and firmly established in love. He says that you would comprehend so as far as any human mind can, right? as far as, as any human mind is, is capable, what is the breadth of the love of Christ? And he says that's that it would embrace all of mankind, that it's, that it's broader maybe than what we would define. That it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an all-encompassing love, embracing all mankind and length from everlasting to everlasting. Right? That, that, it, that it endures from, from the very beginning of the story to the very end of the story, that the, that the love of God, the love of Christ, to, to grasp how long and wide and high and deep is the love of Christ, that the length from everlasting to everlasting, the depth, that's, it's so deep to, so as to never be able to be fathomed by any creature, right? and height so high that there is no enemy that could knock it down. Right? There's no enemy that could reach it, that could, that, could, that could make any sort of destructive move against it. And Paul says, I pray. Man, I pray that if you get nothing else, that in, the, in the kind of urgency that comes with a man who's imprisoned and, and probably waiting for his death because of the, the life that he's been living, trying to help people move forward in relationship with Jesus. He says, I pray that if you get nothing else, that you get this, that, that if you would just understand the depth and the height and the width and the breadth and all those kinds of things of the, of the love of Christ, if you would realize how you are loved, then maybe you'd stop worrying about every single step in your story making complete sense, that every, every circumstance has to, in some way, contribute to, to your understanding of whether or not you are loved. He says, if you could just begin to wrap your head around, if you could begin to allow God to teach you what his love actually looks like, then maybe we could begin to move forward in a healthy kind of way. And then in verse 20, now to him, right, Paul now speaking in some ways a benediction over the people closing out this specific prayer. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. He says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Paul says, what I want is for you to be filled with God. What I want is for you to be emptied of self, even if that process is painful. What I want is for, for your life to give glory to the Father. What I want, what I'm being poured out for, what I'm being emptied for, and, and what I'm being mistreated for is so that, so that God would be glorified, not just in my life, not just in, in some general way in the world, but that God would be glorified through you. And then Paul says, in some ways, maybe our prayers are too small because this God who's capable of doing immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. 
this God who when we, when we look and we say, God, would you just change my circumstances? Would you make me more comfortable? Would you, would you take this tension from my life? That Paul is saying, look, there's a God who cares more about you than, than how you feel necessarily in this specific moment. That God's not trying to mistreat you, but he wants more for you than, than what you're going to get by just simply staying comfortable. He says this God who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. In some ways, you could say that, that Paul could say that he has done more than we can imagine. He has sent his son to make a way for us, to, to pay a price for us that we could never have paid for ourselves. He says who's able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. That in the middle of the story, it's where the inner work is happening, right? Where, where God is doing that transforming work, not just with changing circumstances, but with changing who we are, helping us to be more and more and more like him. So he's able to do immeasurably more than we all would ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. He says that the church, right, this church in Ephesus, now we can look at it with our, with our own experience here in Soldat, Alaska, this church in Ephesus, that their circumstances felt anything like glorified, right? They felt anything like, wow, this is the kind of place where, where man, it just really shows that, that this is all making sense. And Paul says, it's not your circumstances that give God glory. It's, it's how God works in you and what God does in you in the midst of the circumstances that you find yourself in, in the middle of the story, Paul says this church that's trying to sort out what faith looks like, this church that's trying to figure out what it looks like to live out the way of Jesus in the world around it despite the chaos and riots and everything that's happening. Paul says, I pray. I pray that God's glorified, that God's glorified through the church and through your life because he's been doing what he's wanting to do, that his power is at work within us to, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. What was true 2,000 years ago to the, in the, for the church in Ephesus is true now for us in the church. That, that same sort of prayer that says, may God be glorified, right? Not may I be comfortable or may my needs be met in every way or that, that may all of my expectations be fulfilled, but, but that God would be glorified, right? That he would be able to do in us what he longs to do in us so that he can do through us what he longs to do through us. And this is why the middle of the story matters, right? This is why the middle of the story is so important because it's in the middle of the story that, that some of the most significant components of, of our transformational journey occur. The middle of the story, the middle of the story is where correction occurs, right? The middle of the story is where correction occurs. The, the middle of every great story, right? Whether it's a movie or a book or just a short story, whatever it is, that, that, that the middle of the story is where you see someone make, usually, if it's a great story, there's some sort of change in direction. There's some sort of change that happens that, that's in response to some sort of tension that's created or some new reality that, that in the middle of the story is where correction happens. The middle of our story is where God directs our paths toward him. Right, the beginning of the story technically is just one step. Right? To, to start the journey is one step. To end the journey, for all of us, we'll have a moment that's, that's our last step. Right? So each of those is one step. But in the middle, in, in all of that, is, is every other step along the way. And that's where the middle is such good news. Right? Because, because we may not have taken the right first step. Right? We may have messed up in so many different ways and we may look back behind us and we say, man, I don't even know what God could do with the mess that I've made, with all the, the just the, the ways that I have gotten this thing wrong. The beauty and maybe the grace that's found in the middle of the story is that 
no matter how many steps we've taken in the wrong direction, our next step can be a step in the right direction. That in the middle, there is such grace and such opportunity for God to, to correct and give direction to our lives where it's, we can look and we can say, God, thank you that it wasn't just about getting one step 100% right, that I had one shot and one chance, and if I, I either got it right or I got it wrong. The middle of the story is where the correction happens, where there's the change in direction, because as we move forward, as we, as we trust our next step and our next step and our next step, that God's not afraid of working in the middle, right? God's not afraid of working with, with, in the midst of journeys that have gone radically in the wrong direction to start. God's not afraid of that. But he invites us to allow him to direct our next step, to make our next step a step in the right direction. And that is such good news. Right? There is such grace that the, that the story has a middle, and yet here we are wishing, wishing it away, saying, I, just don't, I don't want to have to deal with all the, all the stuff and the tension that exists in the middle of the story. And the reality is it is such a grace. It's such grace for us that, that it does. The middle of the story is where correction occurs. The middle of the story is where transformation occurs. The middle of the story is, is, is the journey, right? It's the step after step after step. It's the, it's the, it's the invitation that, that has been given to us to, to journey in the way of Jesus, which means that it's an invitation to be made more like Jesus along the way, right? That that's the, 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 the invitation was not just for us to, to, to experience one step that, that helps us feel better about ourselves, but it's, it's a journey of being remade in the image of God. That, that, that Jesus is at work in us, that making us more and more and more like him, that we follow after him and we, we do the same sorts of things he did. And as we do that, follow step by step by step, that we start to do the same sorts of things for the same sorts of reasons that he did them. Right, that we're actually compelled in the same kinds of ways that, that we look on people and we, we respond in love and compassion because that's the way Jesus responded, in love and compassion. That we are made along the way. That, that Jesus is not afraid of us not having it all figured out at the beginning of the story. You look at any disciple that he called to follow him, none of them had it all figured out. He says, follow me. Right? Because as we journey together, as we walk together, that, that, that the middle of the story is where transformation occurs. This is that inner stuff, the, the stuff that happens and it can only happen in the midst of circumstances that may not be exactly like we want. When we're, we're being emptied of self, when, when we're being, like, space in our lives being created so that we can be filled to the fullness of what God is offering us. The middle of the story is where transformation occurs. So maybe we stop wishing the middle of the story away, saying, I just have to get through this week, or I have to get through this year, or I have to, to get through whatever this is. That Maybe we need to look and say, well, God, what is it you want to do in me? What is it you're trying to teach me? With, with even like the lack of ideal circumstances, what is it that you're trying to do in me that's going to give you more glory right, in my life and through my life? The middle of the story is where progress occurs. Right? I love incremental progress. I love when we can make like a step forward. The beginning and the end of the story are each a single step, but the, the, the middle of the story is, is step after step after step where we have to learn to trust God to keep taking those steps forward. Right? And the middle of the story was where progress occurs, but, but where there is progress, there is tension, isn't there? Where there's progress, there's tension because it's, well, I know what it was like. Maybe not ideal. Maybe it's not exactly what I was hoping for. Maybe it's like, I know this is a, like, not a great circumstance. I've not made all the best choices, but, but this is at least comfortable, right? This is at least something that I know. This feels safe because it's known. And then what happens when we take the next step, when we, we, we move forward, we're, we're taking hold of the unfamiliar, right? We're taking hold of things that, that don't feel safe in the same kind of way that, that, that what was 
feels. And so where there is progress, there is tension because the only way to resolve the tension is to either let go of what we've taken hold of, right, that next step, the, the what could be, or to let go of the what was, right? Because where there is progress, there is tension, and we have to make choices about how that tension is going to be resolved. Are we willing to? Are we willing to continue to trust even the I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't like it moments? Say, I want what, what could be more than I want what is. I'm willing to let go of the safe and the secure, the, 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 even though it's broken, the, the familiar, to take that next step. Because where there's progress, there's tension. Progress means tension. The tension between what is and what could be. But progress, progress is driven by faith, the faith that continues to move us forward. And so Paul prays three specific things for the church. And I don't know where, where we're all at. I know for, like, in a room like this and this kind of like, there's probably many of us that are, that are needing specifically some of the things that Paul was praying. He, he prayed that God would strengthen them through his spirit and their inner being. Right? It may be that some of us need that strengthening work. Right? It could be that we're looking and saying, man, I, I, am just, I, just, I feel weak. Right? I feel diminished. I'm not sure what's happening. That, that maybe there's something that God's got in front of me, but, but I'm just not sure I'm even strong enough to take hold of it. That, that maybe what needs to be happening for some of us is that God would strengthen us through his spirit, not, not through our effort, not through our work, but through his spirit in our inner being, beyond just present circumstances, but a transformational experience with God. For some of us, it could be that the prayer that Paul prays that they would understand and know the love of Christ might be the thing that is keeping us from taking that next step. Right? to know that we are loved, to know the relationship that we are invited to have with Christ, that, that it's not about the, the work that we're doing, it's not about what we can do to earn it, but what has been done for us. To know the love of Christ could be the thing that when we, when we allow God to show us what that actually looks like, could be the thing that, that unlocks the next steps in our journey. Or maybe it is that the third prayer, the third thing that Paul, that Paul prays for is that, that they would be filled it would be filled with the fullness of God. Maybe for some of us, we're filled with things that are not God, right? Well, that's our, our pride or our selfishness or our flesh or whatever it is, that, that is that's filling our lives. It could be distractions. It could be all sorts of things like that. And Paul's saying, what would it look like for God to do that emptying process so that we can be filled with the fullness of God? Maybe for some of us, we feel completely poured out, right? We feel empty and we're not sure how to fill it. Maybe our prayer in this moment, as we, as we echo the words that, that Paul spoke over the, the, to the church in Ephesus, is that, is that we would be filled, not with distractions, not with the things that, that make us like, temporarily feel okay, but that we would be filled with the fullness of God. We're going to sing a song here in a moment, and uh, it's, it's a prayer. It's an opportunity for us. It gives words for us in this moment as we, as we seek to live faithfully in the middle of the story, as God does a powerful work in us so that he can do a powerful work through us.